before we get into that, I just wanted to share with you, you know, I got a, I got a new shampoo. It's called, uh, it's called Body Envy. I, I had no idea. I, I've, I've read about all kinds of weight loss programs. I've heard, heard of things that just kind of melt the pounds away. Uh, but I had no idea that shampoo. So I've been using it for about, uh, about a month and a half. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. <clears throat> so for those of you that are looking to, to lose a little, little fat and, uh, and, and get a little more tone, uh, I think I can safely say the shampoo doesn't work. So um, I did... I did shampoo with it today. I did use Body Envy today. And then I ate two donuts. Uh, and you skinny people, don't judge me. I don't do that every day. Some days I eat three. So <laughs> that's just the way it is, right? Things change. I, I was preparing to, uh, you know, the Lord has a sense of humor as well, right? So I was preparing to preach this week. And uh, I don't get the opportunity to, opportunity to preach as often now as I as I used to, so this is kind of, this is a big deal for me. You know, you you save up this preach inside of you, and then you kind of got to let it all out. And somehow it's supposed to get done 20 minutes from now. And you know, I I don't even know how that's going to happen. But <laughs> but God has a sense of humor. This showed up on my Facebook feed this week of all weeks. This week this showed up. It says. Uh, C.S. Lewis got the inspiration for the screw tape letters while his mind wandered during a boring sermon. <laughs> Who knows what works of art your sermon will inspire this Sunday? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forward that to Pastor Dave this week. <laughs> I don't think he's the one that put that on my Facebook page. <laughs> Laughter's good, isn't it? The Bible says... Uh, laughter does good like a medicine. So uh, you can go home and tell everybody you got your medicine today, uh, if nothing else. Uh, the Bible also says that there are those that even in laughter, their heart is sorrowful. Uh, we've probably, most of us, been at that point in some point in our life. Or if not, we know people who are close to us who are at that part, at, at that place. Even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful. Uh, there also are, it is, it is also true there, that there are those that even in sorrow, their heart is joyful. I want to be in that camp. How about you? I want to be in that place. And I want to turn our attention this morning to the book of Philippians, and I want to turn it to the idea of uh, the joy of the Lord. And before we do that, uh, let's just pray and ask God to touch our hearts. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, it's an awesome thing to come to your word, to come to your truth, and to know the difference it can make in our lives. And uh, we're all here this morning. Most of us are here week after week. Uh, we want you to open our minds this morning, but we don't want you to tickle our minds with your truth. We want you to open our eyes to see your truth in light of our lives, and to grip our heart, and to apply it to us and draw us to yourself, 
that we might leave here filled with the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's, before we dig into it, let's be clear what we're talking about with the joy of the Lord. Uh, we're not talking about happiness, and we're not talking about laughter. Uh, happiness, is, it comes to us, it's mostly motivated by things that come from the outside, whether things are pleasant, whether things are enjoyable, whether we're getting what we want, and it creates this feeling of happiness in us. Uh, when we talk about the joy of the Lord, it's, it's far deeper. It's not a, it's not a giddy feeling. Uh, the joy of the Lord can be present in hard times and difficulties and losses, as well as in pleasures and good times. It's the uh, settled, confident, secure place that we feel in the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, uh, he's getting near the end of his letter to the, to the Philippians, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. That's where we should be. This joy that comes from knowing who God is and that God is in control and that God cares about me and I have a relationship with him and that I can trust God. And it creates this stability inside of us. It's a spiritual thing. Uh, Jesus said in John 15, he was talking to his disciples about giving them the word and they're obeying the word. And he says, I tell you these things so that your joy might be complete. In John 17, Jesus was praying. And he said to his disciples, uh, remain in my love just like I remain in my father's love. I tell you these things so that your joy will be full. In uh, 1 John chapter 1, John writes, and he says, the things that we have seen and heard, we declare to you, so that you can have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with God and his son, Jesus Christ. We, tell you, we, we, we do this, we declare this, to make our joy complete. David assures us that we can lose our joy. Sin and selfishness can take the joy of the Lord away. Uh, in Psalm 51, David's, David is confessing his great sin of adultery with Bathsheba, and he's talking about how his bones were crushed and how he was anguished because of his sin. Now he's bringing it to the Lord, and he's confessing it. And in that psalm, David cries out to God, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. So it's spiritual, it's deep, it's not just, uh, it's not just some kind of laughter. Uh, that would be kind of weird because the things we're going to look at, the places where we should have joy, it's going to be kind of be weird to think that we just kind of all get, oh, this is great, you know, when troubles come or something like that. Uh, this is about the steadiness the secure place we find in God. So we're coming to Philippians. I, I love the book of Philippians. Uh, it, in, in all the Bibles that I had, the paper Bibles, the pages of the book of Philippians were among those that were kind of tattered on the edges, you know, and, and dirty from the oils of your finger and verses were underlined and marked. And uh, it's just filled with inspiration. It's kind of like uh, we like going to the national parks. Probably many of you do. 
Uh, it's amazing the grand scenes that you see at the national parks. And you, you just look, wow. Uh, you know, some of those scenes you see as you're driving along the highway, some of them you have to get off the highway. Some of them you have to go back, hike back in and find places where you see these amazing waterfalls or these uh, majestic rock formations, uh, things that declare the glory of God, the grandeur of God. I remember uh, one trip to Washington State and, and uh, coming around the, the bend. By the way, when we traveled, when, we were, when I was a child, you know, it was not like today with all the, with all the games kids can play and you know, all the, the electronics. Uh, my mom, we would fight in the back seat, and my mom was always telling us, you're, you're missing all this stuff. You're missing all this. Look at those trees over there. <laughs> We'd say, oh, yeah, Mom, more trees. <laughs> but I, I do remember coming the, around the bend of a highway as we were in Washington State, and suddenly there was Mount Rainier. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Where did that come from? So there are those, you know, those scenes, right, those moments uh, that's kind of what we're doing with the book of Philippians here. We're, we're going to fly through here. We're, we're, we're not, probably not even going to get to the end of the road. We're going to fly through here. We're just looking at some of, the, some of the highlights. I hope it's an inspiration enough to you to come back to this uh, forest and uh, spend some time there and discover the depth of things that God has to tell us in Philippians. But I, I want to still get Philippians from the standpoint of this rejoice in the Lord always. And that there, among the things that Paul says in the book of Philippians, uh, there are four areas, I want to point out four areas of threat, four threats to our joy. And then talk about them a little bit. So just let me mention them real quickly first. Uh, threats to our joy, purpose can be a threat to our joy if we have the wrong purpose. Uh, Philippians 1.21, what a great verse, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. People, people can be a threat to our joy if we begin to look at them different, uh, differently than God wants us to. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Uh, there's some deep thoughts, huh? Uh, problems can be a threat to our joy. Problems come in all kinds. And if you look in chapter 4, all the way down to chapter 4, verse 6, uh, words, verses I'm sure you're familiar with, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He uses the word peace here. You know, I, I'm, I don't know exactly where you draw the line between God's peace and God's joy. Uh, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, again, it's a spiritual thing. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, patience, faithfulness. Um, all of that kind of works together, doesn't it? It's not like... It's not like you can pick one out from the other. It's all this that God works in us, creating us to be what he wants us to be. Uh, so don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, come with prayer and supplication to God. And then uh, finally, possessions can threaten our joy. If uh, possessions begin to possess us, 
Uh, I'm going to draw your attention to verse 19 of chapter 4. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Okay. We got 10 minutes. <laughs> Are you ready? You know, it's, it begins with our mind, right? I'm going to talk about four mindsets that help us to overcome the threats to our joy. Uh, we, I read that passage from Isaiah 55. It was not unrelated to what we're talking about. Uh, God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. My thoughts and my ways are higher than yours, like the heavens are higher than the earth. God sees life completely different than we do. And if, if all we do is function in life by our own wit and by our own understanding, then we will not experience the fullness that God wants for us. Because God sees life much differently than we do from a human perspective. And one of the blessings that we have as Christians is to be able to have the Holy Spirit inside of us and have the Word of God and be able to begin to look at all of life through a different lens and realize that the things that I naturally want to pursue are not things that will bring me joy. It really is pursuing the things that God tells me to pursue instead that bring me joy. And so it's a different mindset. Uh, Romans chapter 12, right? Uh, Don't be conformed to the world, which we naturally do, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So uh, the prayer this morning is that God will renew our mind in looking at what's going on in our life. And, And there's something here that all of us, there's something here for everybody who's here. There's some point here where we need to stop and step back and take a fresh look at what's going on in our life from God's perspective. So number one, and, and I used the, in, these, in these four statements, I used the word embrace on all of them on, on purpose. The picture of embracing is you draw something in. Just draw something in and hug it. Um, so whether it's purpose or people or problems or possessions, there is a proper way to draw them in. And so the first one is that we embrace purpose with clarity and we press on. We embrace purpose with clarity and we press on. uh, Philippians 1.21, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I remember that verse gripped me as as a child, really. Uh, I was probably 12 or 13 years old, and uh, and and, I, and that verse was brought to my attention by, I'm sure, I'm sure several places, a loving pastor who preached the word, and, uh, youth leaders who taught us the word of God, and uh, I came across that verse, and I thought, wow, uh, that's worth living for, for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Um, you know, if, if God is real, which he is, and if God really is personal, and he is, God really knows us, and he does, and, God, and Jesus really came, and Jesus is the son of God, and he really died for our sins, and he really rose from the dead. If, I, I remember as a teenager, young teenager, thinking through these thoughts, 
because I was trying to struggle. I was going with the struggle that most of us go as we're growing in our faith. Is this my faith or is it my parents' faith? Because my parents took me to church from the time before I was born. Um, many of you are in the same boat. I'm, I'm thankful for it. Um, but I remember thinking, this, is, am I, do I just believe all this because I've, I've just been raised in it? Or do I really believe it? And, and as I went through that struggle... And I went through those very same statements I just made to you. And I said, I believe God is real. And I believe Jesus is real. I believe there's too much evidence for the fact that he died and rose again. If that's true, then the highest purpose for which to live is to live for God. So, so that's a purpose statement. We, we, we embrace our purpose with clarity. Most of us, we all live for some kind of a purpose. Most naturally, we live for ourselves. I live for me. It's not, uh, it's not for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. It's for me to live as, as me. What I want, what pleases me, what, what I decide to do, and gaining popularity and prestige and power and pleasure those, that's gain. See, so that's, that's a worldly perspective. That's naturally what we're bent towards. And God says, no, no. And Paul recognizes, Paul says, no, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So, so there's the statement, but in chapter 3, if you, if you go to Philippians chapter 3, we don't have time to really delve into it. Let me just give a quick summary. Paul talks about how uh, there were people who were questioning the gospel and saying you, you had to do think good things to be saved. And Paul said, if anybody has things to depend on from a worldly point of view, so I, I'm, I'm top. So I was a Jew, born of the right people. I, I, was, I was Pharisee, very religious, very good person. I taught at the feet of Gamaliel, very educated. Uh, zealous, I, I, I gave my full heart to everything I was doing. I was, I was, uh, I was committed. As, as far as the law is concerned, Paul says I was uh, blameless. Paul was a good person. He he intentionally tried to be a good person. Paul was living for the for the purpose of himself. And he said, but then, but then he comes and says, but all those things that I once counted my gain, I count but loss. For the sake of Christ, to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. Boy, Paul says, I, you know, this, is, this has caught my heart. And then, and then he says in chapter 3, uh, let me start at verse 7. It says, whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes by the law, but that which comes by faith in Jesus Christ. And now down to verse 12. And here's the thing. I, this became the focus of my life as a teenager. Um, Paul says in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. 
Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There it is. Paul said, there's my purpose. I'm not living it out perfectly. And, and I'm not. I, my, my goodness. Almost 60 years since that verse first grabbed, grabbed me. And I said, well, that's for being the purpose of life. And I, I still struggle, right? We're, we struggle, right? We live in the real world. And real things happen. And, and, it, and it's easy to get selfish. It's easy to live for the wrong purpose. But when you're living for the purpose of Christ... What you find is that the joy of the Lord really does attend to your life. I remember, I, I can't remember if I shared this when I preached a few months ago. You probably won't remember it even if I did. Uh, <laughs> I remember as a teenager, probably 18 years old, I was on a bus in Chicago. And I was trying to share with a gentleman next to me who was, he was an adult. You know, he probably was 40. Uh, to me, he was old. Now he would be a young man. <laughs> but I was sharing with him the gospel and telling him that God loved him. And, uh, and he stopped me in the middle of it. He said, you're, you're a kid, so you don't know nothing. He said, wait till you've lived a few years. Then come, you know, tell me about your God. And, you know, I, I wish, I've often wished I could go back now and talk to that man. And tell him how wrong he was. Because there is joy. The joy of the Lord is real. The joy of the Lord carries us through when our purpose is built upon him. The second thing is that we embrace uh, people. We embrace people with humility and we serve them. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, Paul said... Paul says, uh, Philippians 2, 4, he says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others uh, more significant than yourselves. Uh, boy, that's hard to do, isn't it? Think of all the people in your life. But Paul mentions a lot of people in Philippians, some of them who brought him joy, some of them who, who weren't looking to bring him joy, but, but none of them stole his joy. People can steal our joy. People can bring us joy. Um, there's a lot. Of, you have a lot of friends here in the church, people who bring you joy. And, and then there's some other people, right? Uh, you think of the spectrum of people, you know, we've got, uh, we've got uh, friends and family and, and co-workers and neighbors, um, enemies. Uh, in that whole spectrum of people, there are some people that, that it's hard, right? It's hard to live with. Uh, Warren Wiersbe used to always quip, uh, to dwell above with saints I love, that will be glory. To dwell below with saints I know, that's a different story. <laughs> we all know it, right? Uh, Warren Wiersbe talks about uh, EGRs. Do you have any EGRs in your life? Uh, those are extra grace required. Do you have any extra grace required people in your life? Uh, Warren, uh, he also goes on to to, uh, to say, um, if you if you if, they, if somebody came to your mind right away, right? EGR. If nobody came to your mind, it's probably because you are one. <laughs> <laughs> Dealing with people—that's hard stuff, isn't it? People. 
Sometimes the people closest to us can do the most stealing our joy, right? Because we love them so much and we're so tied into to how, what they think and what they feel and what they're doing. Uh, people, we, people, God's created us to serve people. The example he gives in chapter 2, the example is Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, let this mind be in you. It was also in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, became obedient even to the point of death. Uh, people can cause us pain, but the pain people cause us does not have to, to steal the joy away. And by the way, when we talk about this whole idea of God's joy, we're not talking about instantaneous reactions all the time, are we? Because life can hit, can hit you. And, and so we have the whole spectrum of emotions we experience. Uh, disappointment, hurt, uh, laughter, joy, fear, uh, discouragement. All of those things can hit us. But the point of the, the joy, what, what, once the initial impact is done, what is it that surfaces in our heart and in our life? It ought to be the joy of the Lord. Uh, Paul certainly knew his share of people who disappointed him. But he rejoiced in the Lord and what the Lord was doing. So we're, God, God has put us here to, to serve people. Okay. The third one. The third one is that we are to embrace problems with prayer and to grow through them. Uh, chapter 3, um, or chapter, um, in chapter 4, we, I looked at that verse in chapter 4, verse 6, that don't do anything, by, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, problems come to all of our lives, right? Some of them more difficult than others. Uh, I, I think I've had my share of problems, but, but when I look at life and I look at what some people are going through, uh, can you imagine today being a, being a believer in the Ukraine or being a believer who's been chased out of the Ukraine? Um, you mean to tell me that the joy of the Lord can reign there? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Uh, there are people who go through amazing things. I, one, of the, one of the benefits of being a pastor is whatever points I was at a problem in my life, I was always exposed to and ministering to people who had greater pains than I had, greater problems than I had. Problems come in life. Jesus was, Jesus was honest with us about that, right? Jesus said every day we'll have enough trouble of its own. In this world you will have trouble, but Jesus said don't lose heart, take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome those problems. Problems come into our life. James says, amazing statement in James chapter 1, when all kinds of trials crowd into your life, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Receive them with joy. Can you imagine receiving with joy the problems that come into your life? Most of us resist them. I, I, I mean, that's my go-to is I, Lord, this is not good. But if we approach them with prayer, Paul had his share of problems. Paul wrote this book, and, and you know, the joy and rejoice is mentioned over a dozen times in, in just this short letter. 
Uh, Paul, Paul was serious about rejoicing, but he was, he was in prison at the time. He was in prison. Instead of being embittered for being in prison, he saw it as a ministry. And there were Roman guards who were coming to know Christ because of his imprisonment. The people at Philippi were suffering at this time. Paul writes them and says, I know you're suffering just like I am at this time. But, but take heart. Have joy. Because, because God is real. It's the joy, it's joy of knowing that God's in control. Why do we receive those problems with joy? We know that God has allowed them to come and that they produce in us um, faith. We grow strong. It produces endurance to our faith. So we grow strong in those things that God has given. So we embrace problems with prayer. The power of prayer. Uh, Paul prayed about his pro- uh, problems, especially about this thing he called a thorn in the flesh and talks about in 2 Corinthians 12. What did he say? He said, I prayed. God, take this away. And God answered my prayer. He said, no. (laughs) He said, my grace will be sufficient for you. In your weakness, my power will be displayed. And Paul's response, here's here's what the power of prayer. As Paul prayed and God answered and said, no, I'll I'll give you the grace. You can can go through this. And, And I will be glorified. And Paul's response, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities and in my weaknesses and in my problems that his power might be seen through me. Problems are the magnifier that help people see the joy, the reality of the joy and peace of God in somebody's life and they see it through your life. So when problems come, uh, we need to be diligent to pray, not just complaining prayers, Though God allows that. You know that, don't you? God allows us to be honest with him in prayer. But listen, because as we come in honesty with God in prayer, the Holy Spirit speaks with honesty to us. Gives us his mind, his viewpoint. We go away looking at life differently after we've prayed. The last one is that we should embrace possessions with gratitude and we should be generous. So we're grateful because anything we get is a gift from God. Every good gift comes from above. The, the passage in chapter 4 in Philippians, uh, you know, there's several. If you're there in Philippians chapter 4, uh, we, I could have chosen several verses. Verse 11 says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And verse 19, my God will supply every need you have according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Uh, Don't live for possessions. Don't let possessions possess you. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Dave in his sermons on uh, 1 Timothy will come to chapter 6 and give us a great exposition of that passage where uh, Paul warns Timothy about the dangers of people who want to get rich. And the many things they expose themselves to and the failure, the, the loss they expose themselves to. Don't live for possessions. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, men, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. God knows what you need. The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. And he's with me in every event of life. 
God is there with us. God will provide for us what we need, and we are stewards of it. You are stewards. You don't own that stuff. The Bible says you, you brought nothing into the world, and guess what? You'll take nothing out. You're not going to, it's, you know, there's people who have stuff buried with them. Well, some of the, some of the, uh, some of these Egyptian tombs they opened up, all that stuff they put down in those tombs with those people, did it do them any good? Did it go anywhere? It didn't go anywhere. You don't take it with you. You are a steward of it while you're here. And so God has given it, be generous with it. That is, you hold it loosely. I say embrace it because Paul says, you know, I really appreciate the gifts you sent to me. It was such a ministry. And Paul embraced it. Thank you. It was, there was gratitude for it. It wasn't expectation that they should have done it for him. He was grateful for it. And then we are to be generous in, in, in what God's entrusted to us. Um, there may be somebody here, sitting here this morning, you got that, you got that million dollars that's needed for that building project. I'm just saying, I don't know what God's saying. I don't know what God's saying to you, but, I'm, you know, we're supposed, we are supposed to invest what God trusts to us and trust him for more. And we tend to have the idea, I, I, all of us do, that I got to hold on to it. I got to hold on to it because I don't know what the future is going to bring. Do you know the God who gave it to you, if you give it away, is he not able to give it again if you need it? I, I think he can. I think he can. I think God has the resources to do it. So it's a matter, it's, again, it's a matter of trust God. When we do that, when we live that way with possessions, it frees us to be used and to serve, and the joy of the Lord fills our heart. So don't let possessions or people or problems or a wrong purpose steal the joy of the Lord from you. Um, I'm going to take the time. I'm going to take the time. Um, jo Joseph. There's so many good examples of this from the Bible, right? But I just have to mention Joseph. Um, here's a guy who was sold by his brothers, ended up in slavery. As a slave, he, raised, he, he, he worked diligently, raised himself to the top of the household, the top man in the whole household of a wealthy family. And then he's falsely accused. And he ends up in prison. And then in prison, he's faithful and works hard, and he becomes a trustee. And, and then he interprets these two guys' dreams. Remember, the one, one ended up going back to the Pharaoh's palace. And Joseph said, hey, just remember me to the Pharaoh, would you, when you get there? That I'm here in prison. I was falsely accused. And the guy says, sure, 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 I will. And he doesn't remember him. For, it's a couple years later. And Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. And, and this guy says, oh, yeah, there's that guy in prison. And so, and so Joseph tells Pharaoh, and Joseph is brought to the Pharaoh, and Joseph ends up being the second guy in all of Egypt. Can you imagine the wealth and power that he has now? And then, you know, life is amazing, isn't it? Then his brothers show up in a time of need, and they don't recognize Joseph, but Joseph sees them. And, and are, are you human? I'm human. I'm human enough to think, oh, I got to. I got them where I want them now. <laughs> no, that's not Joseph's thought, is it? Joseph looked at them with love and was joyful to see them 
and he provided for their needs, and he ended up being the one to rescue them. You know, the whole family came to Egypt. Uh, Joseph's words at the end of Genesis to his brothers, uh, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. I, I, tell, I review that whole story just to say this. I'm confident that Joseph knew the joy of the Lord throughout his life. When he was sold into slavery, when he was made fair, when he was made second in Egypt, through, through, all, through all of it, when he was falsely accused, he didn't, he didn't somehow think God has left me, God's unfair. His trust was in the Lord. That's what he gets down to, right? That's what he gets the heart of it all right here. The mind that there's a God who's real, and I know him, and he knows me, and I can trust him. Uh, live in the joy of the Lord, and may the world see the difference in you. Heavenly Father, even so, help us to take these things. Bring them home to us. There's, there's people here who are facing some probably deep problems, Lord, and they just need to come back and lean heavy on you and let your joy surface in them. There's people who, who maybe have given themselves to possessions and the, just the fight for more stuff, or maybe there's people who are having conflict with other people. Uh, Lord, help us to come back to our, to our purpose for why we're here. Help us to live for you and for your glory and not for ourselves. In Jesus' name and to his glory, amen.